Hello everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer. Tonight's episode is really special. I'm very excited to welcome Aaron Kuntz, the director and co-writer of The Pell Door uh, that is coming out on demand and digital on August 21st. It's also in theaters. If you can find a local theater playing it, go see it. Um, it is a Western horror hybrid that Aaron uh, directed and also uh, co-wrote alongside Keith Lansdale, who you might recognize uh, from Creep Show. Uh, he is a writer just like his legendary father, who also executive produced this, Joe R. Lansdale. And uh, we are fans of the Lansdale family on this show. And Aaron is amazing because if you don't know, or are under a rock. Uh, Aaron is the director as well, uh, co-writer of the fantastic Scare Package. And Scare Package was uh, something I wasn't aware of and was premiered on the um, amazing, as all as always and forever, The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. Um, the uh, surprise pre- uh, reveal of Joe Bob being one of the uh, one of the uh, stars of that film was great, and uh, it. The thing with Kuntz's um, Aaron Kuntz's work is that it has a lot of heart to it, um, especially Rad Chad uh, within that uh, film. The whole concept of it is really fantastic, and that heart comes across in the Pell Door, which is a really just surprisingly touching movie. Um, it co-stars Pat Healy, uh, Devin Druid, Bill Sage. Uh, and uh, when when you listen to the interview, you'll see uh, uh, how uh, it got me. I, I, actually, I actually cried or almost cried for this uh, because of this movie. <laughs> because it's surprisingly heartfelt. And... But at the same time, it's got some fantastic visuals, and it's that uh, you know that rare breed of horror um, horror movie western crossover that um, we used to have more of, um, but it kind of really started uh, with the Curse of the Undead back in the day on uh, one of those un, uh, lesser known universal horror movies. And uh, I'm really excited for you guys to uh, hear the interview uh, and check out the movie when it hits on the 21st. Um, before we get to that though, I, I wanted to take some time in this episode uh, and talk about a loss that we just suffered today. Um, it literally just happened today. Um, as of this recording. Um, August 18th, uh, we lost one of the, one of my favorite actors, just surprisingly um, very young, uh, he's only 72, and that's Ben Cross. Um, it hit me hard um, because uh, Ben Cross was, you know how there's your doctor, you know, you have your doctor, that you pick from Doctor Who, and I didn't grow up with the original Dark Shadows. It went off the air even before I was born. But what I did get to see when I was in high school was um, the Dark Shadows revival that Ben Cross starred in. And he was fantastic as Barnabas Collins. 
he was just amazing and the the closest uh, i've been saying this on social media his barnabas collins was the closest representation of the uh, original andrew bennett from dc comics i vampire he looked like him he talked like he sounded like i would think andrew bennett would sound ben cross had this I wouldn't say operatic, but just theatrical, amazing voice and these great eyes. And just uh, he was a presence and he epitomized Barnabas, uh, this tragic hero, uh, anti-hero that he personified in the revival. And I mean, I, everybody you know knows about Chariots of Fire. He... Um, he was just a fantastic actor and he um you know he was an amazing um Sarek in Star Trek too a lot of people are talking about that but for me um it's really dark shadows that you know this hits home for because when that show got canceled and NBC never should have canceled it of course um but, you know, it's NBC and it was a genre show. Um, I went and picketed at the uh, St. Louis NBC station um, when, they, when they did that, along with some other Dark Shadows fans. Um, his, even if you don't follow just the regular films that he did, like, uh, you know, Chariots of Fire, Bridge Too Far, um, all of these other films, he, his genre work as well was so powerful um you know he the thing with ben cross was he's one of those actors that even if it was uh some hokey you know if it was a horror film it didn't matter to him he would bring his a game and just bring it to the film so you have a film like the unholy where he just is just fantastic and powerful as Father Michael throughout the film. And then you have Wicked Little Things where he's, um, which I, I actually went to the theater and saw that. It was part of the, the, the midnight movies um, that he, it was toned down, but he still brought a real, you know, like a, a presence to it. Same with Star Trek as Sarek. Um, you know, you're following up with, from Mark Leonard, and he was able to bring it as a as a Vulcan and, and Spock's father. And then, you know, also a lot of people are talking about First Night, where he plays the bad guy, and he's fantastic. He was fantastic in it. Um, he's one of those actors that just always made something better that he was in. Um, he, he would raise it up just by his presence in it. Um, he did a lot of television work as well. Again, a lot of genre work, um, doing uh, Poltergeist, The Legacy, Tales from the Crypt. He did Ray Bradbury Theater. Um, you know, and recently it was Twelve Monkeys. And um, I just, it's a loss. And I, I want people to. You know, a lot of people didn't even... I, I'm finding out that a lot of people didn't even know there was a Dark Shadows revival. 
um, which shocks me because I, you know, love that. I bought it on DVD the minute it came out. I, it, it was such a big deal because even though I didn't grow up with it originally when it was on, I watched Dark Shadows on cassette and um, learned about it later, read the books. And then when this came out, it was just so good and it was so modernized because in, in, and yet not. Um, they got away with a lot for NBC, I thought. Um, pretty sure there was some nudity that got around the censors in that. Um, it was sexy, it was dark, it was gothic. It, it, it really reminded me of classic Hammer. Um, Dan Curtis brought that Hammer vibe home with that, um, with that series. And that's the thing that Ben Cross really did was he brought that classic horror, um, icon sort of vibe to his role as Barnabas, but also in the other things that he did, um, other genre work that he did. He had that classy, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, um, only that kind of a thing that you can see in those films, that, that classiness and that menace. Um, his Barnabas was uh, a bear, like, like Christopher Lee and the fact that he was a barely contained mo- you know, animal in this guise of gentility. And he worked that he could do it with just a glance it was awesome and it just this this loss hurt they all do but this one really got me and you know go to amazon prime and watch the dark shadows revival it is on there it's free to stream on amazon prime if you have amazon prime go watch it it's uh, about a season long, uh, not quite a season, and it has some fantastic actors in it. Uh, Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in it, and he's probably, what, 10 or 11, maybe? Little baby Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, you've got uh, Roy Thinnes as Roger Collins. You've got uh, uh, Gene Simmons uh, as Elizabeth Collins Stardard. You've got Adrian Paul in there as Jeremiah, uh, who would tell um, would tell me or tell me and a group of Dark Shadows fans later at a convention that he was going to come back as Quentin if they had gotten picked up, which just twists that knife a little more. Um, but it's so good, and you can see within that that series what a great actor he was and um, how he made Barnabas his own um, with that role. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where Jonathan Fred is always going to be Barnabas. Uh, But this role, um, he came to it with seriousness. He didn't ham it up. He, um, it's just really well done. And, um, uh, it's a loss and it's sad and he was young for seven, at 72 and uh, he was working up to 10 days prior to his death he was still working um, and there's no 
explicit cause of death. If, I know a lot of people are wondering um, if it was COVID-related. It could be. I don't know. Um, there's no word on, on um, what caused it. But uh, it, apparently he had been sick and then took a turn and uh, passed away today at 72. So go watch. If you have The Unholy, watch The Unholy. Um, Wicked Little Things, again, really um, underrated horror film. Great movie. Um, but Dark Shadows, really, that's, that's the thing that I always think of and I always will think of um, as his Barnabas was just so good. And uh, it's just a beautifully done show. You should check it out. It's on Amazon. I think it might even be on Hulu um, streaming as well. So either one, go, go watch it. It is fantastic. And rest in peace, Ben Cross. Thank you for a lot of great work. And, um, you know, bringing Sarah to life again, too, on screen with Zachary Quinto is playing Spock. Um, he was great as Sarah. And uh, that was, it was a hard one. With that, um, guys, I want to bring on the interview with Aaron Kuntz. Go check out The Pale Door. It is going to be released on VOD and in theaters, limited, of course, <clears throat> and on digital August 21st. Um, I think you're going to really love it. It's a fantastic hybrid, and uh, I, think, uh, I think Aaron Koontz has quite a journey in front of him, um, especially with Scare Package, how well that just, you know, we need another, we need another Scare Package, and we need Red Chad back, because I want it, I want it. Um, so with that, guys, thank you, and here comes Aaron Koontz. You stay safe, and we'll see you next time on Fangirl Radio. Hey, everybody, I want to welcome Mr. Aaron Koontz to Fangirl Radio. Aaron is the man behind the fantastic scare package that, you, if you were like me, you saw for the first time on the last drive-in and surprised us with that amazing cameo and starring role. We'll say starring role for Mr. Joe Bob Briggs. And he is now partnered with Keith Lansdale and company to make The Pale Door, which is that wonderful, rare, beautiful thing that is a horror-western hybrid. So, Aaron, welcome to Fangirl Radio. Thank you so much for having me. What a wonderful intro. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. So, first of all, uh, I am a massive Lansdale fan. I love the whole family. We just had uh, 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 Ponzi Oppenheimer on, who has done the uh, Jar Lansdale Popcorn King uh, documentary only a, a week or so ago. And the fact that you got to work with him uh, on this, as well as Keith, and co-wrote this and created something that just smacks of wonderful pulp, but uh, heightened, is just so good. What made you want to do a horror-western hybrid? Goodness. Yeah, well, first off, yes, it's, it's such an honor to work with the Lansdales, and, and Joe and Keith have just been absolutely amazing collaborators. I'm so lucky to have them on the team, and... Yeah, you know, this was, uh, I, I always wanted to make a violent Western, you know, as a kid. I, I loved Westerns, and I thought that there was a way to do this, but it just was always too too expensive, and I didn't think that as a filmmaker I was ready to jump in and do it. So we had this one script that was kind of sitting on the, on the back burner for a while, and then I was asked a few years ago to pitch um, a witch movie to Universal. Um, my first film was released by Universal, Kim Obscura, and... 
So, you know, they were talking about that. I was kind of following Robert Eggers, the rich success. And I said, oh, wait a second. I have this, this like Western, like maybe I could kind of like reincorporate that with the riches. Um, cause I had to come up with something fast. <laughs> and, uh, so, cause like I lied and said, they're like, Oh, do you have a witch movie? Like, yeah, I have one. And then I called Cameron Burns later and said, okay, we got to come up with a witch movie. That's right now. I have to pick it tomorrow. <laughs> um, so we, uh, we reappropriated this Western. I was like, this would be great. This would be so much fun to do. And then I pitched it to them and they were like, well, Aaron, no, wait, why are the cowboys? I don't understand. So we just wanted a normal witch movie. And I'm like, what's a normal witch? <laughs> you know, like, I don't really understand what that is. So I was on a panel with uh, Joe and Keith out in East Texas um, at a festival, and we were talking about screenwriting, and it was an honor to be there. I still can't believe I was on the panel. I should have been in the crowd watching him. <laughs> and uh, and then I told that same story. And when I told that story, Joe looked at me and asked the crowd, like, that sounds amazing. You should make this witchy Western. And then we went out to dinner that night and talked about it. And next thing I know, we're off the line. Um, it's been just an absolutely magical experience. That's fantastic. So I I noticed one thing. I, I have to ask this because I noticed uh, one thing. This really, because uh, I'm a fan of Westerns. I love horror Westerns. Uh, I always champion Sundown, The Vampire and Retreat. I, and the other one that I always think of, other than Curse of the Undead, and there's some others out there, of course, but is it, a lot of people don't think that Demon Knight's a Western, but to me, Demon Knight is totally a Western. And I saw a lot of Demon Knight in this. Did you, like in the style of the witches and the darkness and how how it just played out one by one, each of them was being just, you know, taken out by their own, I guess, avarice? I don't know. what Was that mm-hmm. something I imagined or did you take some um, some cues from that film? So, I mean, I love Demon Knight, but I can't say it was, I would say the descent was probably a little more of a, of a oh, yeah. in that world. Um, yeah, the descent, Peace into Yuma, um, you know, I watched as well and some of the old Westerns. But from uh, when it came to a little bit of, um, I would say also a little bit of uh, Event Horizon in a way, oh. and just kind of that descent into madness and hell. But, but I will say that I, I love Demon Knight, and I think that's a very apropos comparison. And I think that there is something about the witches themselves really kind of came about that I love the idea. I love playing with the folklore and there were so many amazing places you could go, go from there and explore. And I wanted to tie the witches into this idea of Salem. I did, I didn't want this to be, you know, like a good versus evil. Like, you know, the gang is good and the witches are bad. Um, I wanted everybody to be murky and I wanted to explore the origins of like what causes these people. And I thought that there were sensibilities between the two that kind of compared really well in that how did these witches come about and how did this game come about? And they both were kind of rejected from their own, you know, pockets of people and had to form their own gang in a way. And, and I thought that there was a nice comparison about that. And then the hate that in the violence that they are about leads to more violence. Um, and so when I tied it into Salem, and I started doing research about, and even though in Salem most were either stoned or hanged, I had read one story about a woman who escaped from Salem um, and, you know, was pregnant and just wanted to escape to be able to have her child. And then, and, and I don't know if this is true or not or what really happened, but apparently she was caught and then burned at this small town she was found in. And it was just the most horrific thing I had ever heard. And I thought, well, what if, what if a person who dabbled in black magic was watching that? Then maybe that creates the first witches. 
you know, that manifest destiny of, of that, you know, confirmation bias, if you will, in a way of like creating this. Um, so, so then, then I was like, well, I could play with this idea of them being burnt. And that made them kind of look more demon-like and kind of play with this. I mean, you still have the wall doll style, the witches, you know, the Angelica Houston, you know, yeah. long nose, ears, you know, exaggerating features. But then if they were burnt, and that got me really excited about, because I'd never seen anything like that before. So we could still keep them witches, but play a little more supernatural at the same time. Well, and the other thing, there's a scene in this, I'm, I'm not going to, it's very crispy and gross, and I'm not even going to describe it because I'm going to leave that to the viewers to have a pure watching of this movie to have that scene burned into their brain. Um, but one thing that I took away from this and I, I really liked and you, you touched upon it was family and what you'll do for family and also that whole metaphor of sins of the fathers are 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 carried on to the, the children and the sons. And that's definitely personified with with the brothers in this, but it's also with the the witches in how they kind of are mirroring each other, like protecting the the youngster. And um, I really like mm-hmm. that. And you, I wasn't expecting. I, I I I I wasn't joking when I said you almost made me cry with this movie. There are some really heart wrenching, touching scenes, and your actors really sell it. And uh, that's something I think might surprise some people when it comes to, oh, it's just a horror movie. It's got horses in it, too. So, no, there is like an actual massive heart in here. And that came through with the acting and the writing. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, that, that's it's what excited me most about making the film was I wanted to tell. I mean, it's a deeply personal story about my brother and you know this realization that my father was not the hero that I thought he was when I was a kid. And what that meant and, and having to learn that. Um, and as you go older and deciding like, well, these people that I know and I thought of and I put on a pedestal are not the people that I thought that they were. And now it's up to me to make my own, make my own choices for myself and not follow my footsteps and be, be a better person than maybe they were. And I think there's something about that that you strive to do. And, um, you know, so there was, I, I'm, yeah, the, the brother story. My brother um, is a recovering addict, and I've had to take care of him a lot, and there's a lot there. I remember Cameron Burns, my co-writer, you know, when we were first kind of, before even the links, was kind of bored, we were kind of going through some stuff, and he's like, Aaron, this is, you're basically just writing about your brother and your dad, aren't you? And I'm like, oh my God, I am. And you didn't realize it at the time. You just, you're just kind of creating these personal stories, and things, things permeate. Um, and all my films have... There's a, there's a weird father component that comes into play and all, even Scare Package in a funny way. You know, that Scott's looking for his father, you know, the whole time. I mean, so <laughs> there's things that kind of come out in my writing and how they how they kind of come together. So, um, but, but yeah, that was, and that was what, I, I'm, I'm excited for that to surprise folks because I wanted this to be more than just this high concept, Cowboys versus Witches. And even though we have a lot of fun with that and there's wonderful set pieces and it's a blast to, you know, have these shootouts and, and everything that we're doing. Um, if we wanted it to be a personal story, we wanted it to be an emotional story, and we wanted to be able to hopefully say something um, that could resonate with people. So, what there? I know I'm about to lose you, but I have two things I want to. I just have to comment on. Why does Pat Healy always have to have the shit kicked out of him in a movie? <laughs> 
Is there uh, something about his face that makes is there something about his face that makes you want to make it bloody? Is what I was asking. It's um Pat is such a beautiful, wonderful soul and I met him through starry eyes and uh, I remember you know, so it was actually so my good friend um Evan Katz made Cheap Thrills and I loved him in Cheap Thrills so much and there's a moment in, in, in the pale door where Pat's doing something and let's just say blood is starting to come out of his mouth and as he's doing this, I, I kind of lingered. I didn't call cut for a while. And then he's just kind of saying, he's like, he gives his line delivery. And then we hold on him and he starts to kind of cry. And I was like, and then we, once we called cut, I'm like, oh my God, this is exactly the cheap thrills. Like I did it moment, you know, after he's cut his finger off and all that in cheap thrills. I'm like, this is so like that. Um, and it just was so reminiscent. But yeah, Pat's just so wonderful. And God, he did so much in this movie too. You know, he, he created an entire dialect for the, the Wiley character and the way he walks, talks, moves, mannerisms and all this. It was so much fun to create this with all of these different people. But yes, uh, killing Pat Huey in fun ways and, and maybe killing. I mean, I'm not saying we did or we didn't, but things that happened to Pat are fun and it's kind of a rite of passage, I feel like, as a, a genre for me. He also looks really good in a bowler hat. You have to let him know somebody told me you look really good in a bowler he he does he looks very dapper um the other uh, the other actor that i really that really said i mean everybody did a fantastic job i mean you got stan shaw in there like great actors i really loved bill sage he just um he just had such a hero moment like and like han solo Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid kind of mixed together moment in there. And I freaking loved him. He just was a badass and uh, just he's a great, great character. He's magical. Yeah. He, he uh, reminded he's me a lot of Carl. God was such a fun character, right? Oh, he was great. And Carl, he kind of looked like Carl Urban there for a little bit. I'm like, wait a minute. How'd that happen? <laughs> he turned, he became someone else, but he just was so great. And He's that perfect anti-hero kind of type, like the 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 outlaw with a heart. I just and everybody had, and, and that's what I liked about this too was it's an ensemble piece. But you did you did the thing that I I call the weedening, where you were able to give each character an equality. You know, they're they're um, they they each have a characterization. They're not like a hollow character. Well, I mean, thank you so much, and and that was very important. Want each of them to have a unique voice. Want each of them to have something special and different about them, um, and then and also create a little more of a, of a diverse gang than I usually saw in, in westerns, because um, the reality was they were more diverse. So I thought that was fun to explore. But but Bill Sage is uh, an absolute saint, and you know just getting to work with him and getting to dig into his character and what he needed to do, and there was a wonderful parallel that we always wanted to have between his character because he's always wearing black and Jake. Devin Drew's character is always wearing white. Right. And, and we knew that they start, um, you know, on opposite ends of the spectrum. We wanted to bring them together toward the end. So there was a way of doing that. And you had to earn that. And both of those characters had to go through this kind of, you know, this journey. And you had to find ways to connect them. And, and, and I think that, you know, Bill just had such a great way of adding the nuance of starting with the savage things that he does and then starting to relate. And, you know, and he's on the opposite side of Jake earlier in the film and he starts to come around and and that journey i think really excited him as an actor and yeah his moment at the end is uh heart-wrenching and beautiful and i'm so proud of what he did and it's such an honor 
to have worked with Bill. Um, and I, I'm gonna, I'm absolutely gonna work with him again. So it was just such a wonderful experience. Well, and and my last question is kind of a swing around to Scare Package because Scare Package, um, there's Joe Bob is one of my heroes, and. Uh, <laughs> He actually is tied to Joe Lansdale and the Lansdales through being actually a a character in one of his stories. Is that how you ended up kind of working with getting to know the Lansdales? Or was there a connection there when you made Scare Package that you wanted to bring him into it? And not just as as a fanboy? No, no. I mean, um, so, you know, I I I live in Austin, Texas, and and being a Texas-based filmmaker there were like little ties to both of them in different ways. Right. Um, so, so that was kind of separate, but you no, know, I met the Lansdales just through, uh, you know, through that, that screenwriting panel that I was able to be on when, oh, that's when I, great. you know, we kind of came up with the pale door. So that was where, that's where I first met them. And then Joe Bob, you know, with scare package was, I knew I wanted a horror aficionado and I wanted <laughs> someone I was like, who's the person who knows horror? And I said, well, it's either Joe Bob or Elvira. It was like one or the, <laughs> one or the other. But, and, uh, but then at the time, I was we were really playing with this idea of his father. Again, going back to fathers, but like um, Ratched's character, you know, trying to like figure out who his father is. And like, I thought that could be a really fun concept if he was convinced that maybe Joe Bob was his father. <laughs> and um, so just, that was really, that was just really funny to me and just kind of sweet and sentimental. And cause that's what I wanted to do with, with, with uh, Chad's character. So no, and that, that was all coincidental and just the way that all kind of worked out but you know being a texas-based filmmaker i think it kind of created those avenues without even realizing it so that's fantastic and i i really i i really want a rad chad too i want another one because i think it deserves it and you that was scare package just made my night and it was so fun and i it just the love you have for the genre and the stories and, and, and how you grew up at the same time, I, you know, through all of that came through so well. So I was really excited to see the Peldor and oh, you just keep, you. you just keep making good stuff. Um, so thank you, Aaron. No, thank you so much. That's, that's so kind of you to say, and they're very, very different movies, but, but they all come from a place of like loving the genre and loving these things and playing with them. So yeah, and if more people keep liking, uh, you know, Scare Package and watching it on Shutter, there's a chance you can have a sequel, and I have a crazy idea, so. <laughs> he just emerges and comes back out of a, a VHS case. I mean, that's that's all you have to do, is this VHS case opens <laughs> up, and they and he emerges out. <laughs> that's all you need. There's ways. We've got there, ideas. That's all true. I'll say. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Aaron, thank you so, so much. Um, I can't wait for everyone to see the Peldor. And uh, what's next for you before I let you go? Yeah, I mean, look, two movies in, coming out in one year is a lot. So um, <laughs> I'm not going to direct for a little while. I'm going to be producing some films. So we have two films that we're producing. Uh, Paper Street Pictures, my, my company, we're producing for some other folks that we can't quite announce just yet. Um, but then we're also actually working with a number of the Scare Package directors, segment directors, that we're going to produce a couple features for them as well. So really exciting stuff kind of coming out of that. And, uh, you know, doing it during COVID is always difficult, but we have a couple we're going to be able to make um, with those restrictions and being very safe. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, then next year, probably or so, I, I have a Cronenberg kind of sci-fi body horror thing that I Ooh. really would like to make. So 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. Keep making art and keep making this great stuff. And um, Brad Chad for life. Thank you. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> thank you so much, Jessica. Thank you for your time. Thanks. Bye-bye.